0: Warning, this podcast contains foul language, sexual situations,
1: and discussions of drugs and drinking. Yeah.
0: Welcome Welcome to to Fuck Shakespeare, Shakespeare, a podcast for the Shakespeareanly challenged.
2: And anyone who really enjoys some saucy dick jokes. Teachers, we might insult you a little bit, sorry. Okay, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy.
0: Please note, this episode contains discussion of suicide.
2: Hey, I'm Diana. And I'm Erin. And we are going to tackle...
0: Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. (laughs) The big motherfucking scene of all scenes. You guys are going to recognize a lot of lines from this one, I think.
2: Yeah. It's the question of all questions. Mm. Oh. This is Act 3, Scene 1 of Hamlet.
0: And then we're also going to introduce you to our friend Cooper. Yeah, who's playing Hamlet. Yeah, in the Children's <laughs> Shakespeare Theater's version of Hamlet. No small task right to take on. And he's also he he's been in and around this play a lot in his time with Children's Shakespeare yeah, since he was just a wee thing. But he but
2: he He's had all the surrounding roles in a way, right? Yeah. He's been Polonius, he's been Claudius, <laughs> and now uh,
0: the big man. Yeah. So yeah. it's really interesting. He's going to have a unique perspective. Yeah, we're looking forward to that.
2: Yeah. So he was in he was Claudius in Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead. And okay. I know we've brought that play up a lot of times, but I'm not sure that
0: our friends out there know what that is. Oh. It's a play by Tom Stoppard. Yeah. And it's the story of Hamlet through the eyes of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, but they're also kind of two characters in search of a play, absurdist theater, sort of, in that they exist outside of the play only to themselves. Yeah. And when Hamlet characters come in, They're thrust into the play. Yeah. And they suddenly speak Shakespeare speak. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not really sure which one of them is which in the beginning. And they're not really sure where they are and what they're doing. And then all of a sudden Hamlet characters start coming in and they're in the middle of the play and they know what to do in the middle of the play. But then when they disappear again, they're like, who the hell was, the, what Then yeah, they're like, what the fuck? Where did those guys come from? And why
2: did I say that thing? It was so weird. So it's super fun. And there's a movie of it with Gary Oldman, of all things. I love Gary Oldman. So, yeah.
0: Well, I don't love his politics, but nope, I love his acting. Politics suck. But, um,
2: yeah. <laughs> we just shredded him and rebuilt him in mm-hmm. one line. Um, but. Anyway, so you could go and uh, load up that movie on Netflix or something and take a look. It's a very funny play. Very funny. If you get a chance to see it, it's very funny, too. So And they go all the way through to their ending, which is fun. Yes. Which you never get to see. Right. Yeah. Right. We just It's another one of those stories we hear about. Yeah. Any case, Cooper was Claudius in that, and we gave him this long red cloak. That he had the best time with. Sometimes a prop makes the man. And uh, he was flourishing this crazy red cloak all over the stage, whacking people in the face with it and stuff. And he's like, I'm king. Fuck off. (laughs) It's really fun. Really fun. So in the beginning of this scene, we're going to see Rosencrantz and Guildenstern report to Claudius and tell him what they found out from their short, bizarre scene with Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I think they think he's not really crazy, do they?
0: I think it's hard to know. I, I think that they're more concerned with whether or not he has sussed them out, because Guildenstern said, they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. said they were sent for. So I think maybe they're more concerned with... Less concerned with whether he's mad or not, and more concerned with whether or not he's mad at them. Hmm. But I don't know. I don't don't think they think he's mad, because he acted... He said some pretty glib, succinct things. Yeah, and he acted completely fine around the players. Yeah. So their experience... And also when he first met them, he's like, hey, guys, my friends, oh, whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, he was totally... The only Fun. weird thing was the hawk handsaw thing. Yeah. And, and when you discussed what that means, I think that depending on how the Hamlet plays it, that could also be really insightful. Right, as opposed right? to wacky.
2: Yeah, it ain't wacky. He's incredibly smart, and he can manipulate wacky. He can manipulate the shit out of wacky. Right, and but I think <laughs> that line
0: often gets played like... Well, no, I'm it's pretending to be mad, right? Yeah. Like, and no. maybe it's not. Yeah, I don't know. That so it really, I think, RNG's reaction to Hamlet depends on how that Hamlet plays that scene. Yeah, definitely. No, that totally makes sense. Um, we're mostly
2: going to skip through that part so that we can get to the speech, right? Ho, ho, ho. The biggie, the big speech, and really important to note that Ophelia is on stage the whole time. That
0: whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, she's been set out as bait, remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fishing
2: by the fishmonger. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about <laughs> that. <laughs> 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 Especially
0: since, you know, fish, fish. fish yeah, fish, fish, yeah, fish yeah, yeah, fish, yeah. Um,
2: And Claudius and Polonius are hiding behind the tapestry, <laughs> listening in. I have this funny picture of them with their little toes sticking out of the bottom, like, <laughs> we're not really hiding, we're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, you know, we'll explore a little bit whether Ophelia actually hears anything from that speech. Does she, like, worry that he's thinking of offing himself? What What does she hear? What does she know? Mm. You know? I think, again, it depends on the choices the director and yeah. Hamlet make. Yeah. So why do you think this is, this is, like, the speech of all speeches? Like, people point to Shakespeare
0: and they go, that's the one. Yeah, why? There's so I, many fantastic speeches. I know. I don't think this is the one. I mean personally for me I mean I do think there's something about being human and questioning existence and yeah. we all go through phases of existential crisis right yeah. we all do it why am I here what is my purpose and and I used to love when Ari was in uh, at St John's studying philosophy he would say well are we really here yeah. like, or or am I dreaming this whole thing right. like with the, we, uh, so we all have those Moments, And I think that's why it speaks to people. But I don't particularly, I think what a piece of work is it's man such a is piece so beautiful, shorter, but beautiful. And Rogan peasant slave also. Yeah. Right. So I don't, this is not my favorite. What are your thoughts about it? Well, I think
2: people have set it up to be such a chestnut and then these poor actors come to act it and they're like, how could I possibly do it justice? You know, like there's this huge expectation. It's like when your friends tell you something is the best 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 thing in the world. It's kind of like you want to stay away and nope, I could I it's never going to live up to whatever you said about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's hard for the speech to live up to it because everybody's nervous the minute they hear those first words. You know, right? it's, it or just, speak those first words.
0: You just put me in mind of um I I unlike Diana did did enjoy the Denzel um Hamlet, however, I Denzel
2: Hamlet or Mac Mac. I'm sorry,
0: Mac Big Mac Mac. Mac, Mac. Sorry, <laughs> Mac. Mac-mic. 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 Mac-beth. Macbeth. Um, I did enjoy it except for tomorrow and tomorrow and yeah. tomorrow, was horrible. And, and the I, dagger speech. I didn't mind the dagger speech. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I didn't mind it. I I, I really didn't. I was yeah. looking for the things that you had problems with. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't mind that. But the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Ugh, and I feel like so maybe sad. that's similar to what happens yeah, with, with To Be or Not To Be. Because I think that's, that is Macbeth's most famous yeah. speech. And it's held up there as a, and he just, the director dropped the ball. Denzel dropped Dropped the ball. ball. It was so flat. I didn't even know what he was saying. And it broke my heart because that's. Beautiful words. Oh my God.
2: But it's interesting that you bring it up because they have a similarity, these two speeches, in that there's an incredible consciousness mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. there is the layers that you cannot escape you cannot not see the actor there right because the actor is integral the actor is also
0: asking the questions yes. or having that observation because they're a human being oh what was the someone sent me whoo, i think it was ian mckellen uh, doing uh you know the the floppy muppet um workshops at rsc um What's his Flop. name? Yeah, what's his name? The floppy muppet with oh, the sweater. Oh, oh and the... John uh, yeah, playing Shakespeare. John Barton. John Barton. John Barton, the yeah. floppy muppet. I love John Barton so much. He is he's a floppy <laughs> muppet. I love him. Um so he's talking about tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. It may have been Patrick Stewart, but I think it was Ian McKellen. And they're interchangeable. They're practically married. Sometimes um uh talking about the layers in that speech, the language, the you know, the choice of words, the choice of rhythm, the actor's relationship to what's being talked about, the character's relationship. And he goes yeah. through each one. It's a m- magnificent clip yeah. talking about how that speech gets approached. It's, be- yeah. it's beautiful. Anyway, far afield now we've gone.
2: No, no, it's not far afield because I think that it's the same here. So to be or not to be, that is the... Question, right? The question that any human wrestles with at some point or another. So we have Hamlet wrestling with it. We have the actor playing Hamlet wrestling with it. We have the audience who is waiting to hear. Do you have an answer? You have an answer? Holy shit. Tell us. Right. 42. Holy crap. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I have an answer. Um, And then there's Shakespeare Mm -hmm. himself, the playwright, who you hear speak in the middle of that speech. Yeah. So I think maybe that that is the essence of why it's such an important, huge moment, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. In the middle of a play that's all about the philosophy of do do I kill or not to kill, right? Mm -hmm. Do I live or not live? The whole play is about that. And here's the center of it where it's just an actor standing and asking the audience, can you fucking help me with this? Yeah. it's beautiful. So the question is... Not rhetorical. Not at all at all. Not at all. It's real. It's really real. So for you to be able to speak it well, you just need to be honest about your
0: quest and your unknowing. It's so hard to extricate yourself from the the societal, cultural uh, rhythm of those words, though. Yeah. We've heard to be or not to be, that is the question. So many times in so many, Bugs Bunny says it like, you know, and it's hard not to do it in that rhythm. Yeah. And not to launch into it with the
2: thought that like, okay, guys, here's the big one, you know, (laughs) like, I'm going. (laughs) Talk about long speechitis. Yeah, right. I mean, there's no way to avoid it in this scene unless you are just, you know, simplify it. As much as you possibly can, and just speak the words. Speak the speech, I pray you. Speak the speech, I pray you. We're going to get to that, too. Yeah. Right? But I remember at one point we were doing um, evenings of scenes, and my friend Michael, who is a beautiful actor, and also, he's also a doctor, so he doesn't have much time for acting. But he came, he was in his residency, and he, I directed him just doing the speech. And when he got to the point of to die, to sleep, it was so real for him. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to sleep. Mm -hmm. So that was his truth at that time. And it just rang true in this beautiful way. So you have to find where does it connect to what I am going through right now. True of any actor with any part. Any actor, any speech, any time. Yeah. No biggie. No biggie. (laughs) No biggie. Yeah, and once we're done the speech, we're going to also talk about the author's relationship to it. Yep. All right? Yep. And the last big piece to pay attention to, which will be after Cooper's interview, is the word nunnery. Nunnery! Get <laughs> thee to a
0: nunnery! Get thee to a nunnery. Nunnery! Yeah. So, we've already spoken about how... Uh, the question of uh, should young women who have been befouled be shipped off to nunneries like fuck no in in, <laughs> in Romeo and Juliet yeah. where where the friar's like well we'll just send you to a nunnery yeah Or <laughs> Juliet after all you've gone through right um and and so nunnery means a place where nuns live but it also means a whorehouse
2: a whorehouse a what a whorehouse whorehouse yeah. So it has both meanings. And the interesting thing about that speech, Get Thee to a Nunnery, he says it repeatedly. So does he have to only mean a whorehouse or only mean a convent? No. No. He can, mean, he can even mean both at the same time. <laughs> That's what's fascinating about that whole scene is like, does he want to send her to safety or does he think she's fouled goods? Yeah. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, so we'll launch into it. We won't spend too much time with Claudius
0: and the and the Bumblers. All right, so I'm reading, wait, I'm reading Claudius Ophelia Rosencrantz. I'm reading Gertrude, Guildenstern, Hamlet, and, and Polonius. Okay. okay. And
2: uh, one interesting thing to note for this and every other scene you will ever read, to notice that the characters are usually, they don't walk to center stage and then start an idea. <laughs> no, they are usually mid-conversation. Yeah. So it's useful to kind of go, I wonder what they said just a few paragraphs ago. What were they talking about as they came in? Yep. So we had that imagining of whether Rosencrantz and Guildenstern think that Hamlet is crazy. And they probably were already discussing it before they arrived onto the stage. Also, um,
0: just as I was editing yesterday, um, I realized that there are times when I'm... Because I'm not pre-reading the scripts. This is just... Me remembering what I remember from... Having done the plays. Yeah, or worked watched the plays, yeah. worked on them. So sometimes I'll I'll read a line, and as I'm editing, I'm like, well, that didn't make any goddamn sense. And sometimes <laughs> you'll say, you'll correct me, but sometimes you don't. You let me go. And I think it's interesting for you guys, listeners, to note when what I'm saying makes no sense. If what I'm saying makes no sense to you, it's because it makes no sense to me. So I just want to put that out there because I don't want you to think you're missing something in what I'm reading. <laughs> you're not. I'm I'm cold reading, and some of it I understand on the page, and some of it I don't. And if I were working on the play, I would work to understand every single word that comes out of my mouth. But we're not doing it that way. So I just wanted to... Yeah. But I actually love those moments
2: when you're like, what the fuck did I just say? And then we have a discussion. (laughs) So that's great. That's exactly how you would work on the play. You know, like, what the fuck does that mean? And then just ask somebody who might either have heard it and have a perspective of hearing it coming out of your mouth. might make a little more sense to them. Or you go to sources and figure it out. Or reread it
0: and reread it. Or listen to this podcast. Yeah, both. Right. All. All these things. things. Okay, here comes Claudius. And can you, by no drift of circumstance, get from him why he puts on this confusion?
2: Yeah, so he has a bit more, but why he puts on this confu- Puts on, seems to me to say, that they were talking about him- Not pretending. being Pretending. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: so Rosencrantz says- He does confess he feels himself distracted, but from what cause he will by no means speak. Yeah, so he said-
2: He's a little confused and stuff, but he didn't say why he was crazy and he didn't and he doesn't really understand it himself. Yeah. Guildenstern. nor do we find him forward to be sounded but with crafty madness keeps aloof when he would bring him on to some confession of his true state. So he doesn't being sounded means to be questioned. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really want to be questioned. and then a crafty madness keeps him apart from others right keeps him yeah. from so his madness is keeping him from being questioned people are staying away from him right you see crazy people on the street in new york you cross the street you don't like go up to them and go gee dude what's wrong with you right you just don't Yeah. unfortunately whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you don't so he's saying his madness is useful to him because it keeps him from having to answer questions right except for his own questions
0: right, so... right, right,
2: right, right. <laughs> Okay, Gertrude. Did
0: you assay uh, him to any pastime? Uh, Madam, it so fell out that certain players we o'erwrought on the way, of these we told him. And there did seem in him a kind of joy to hear of it. They are about the court, and as I think, they have already ordered this night to play before him.
2: Great. So this is the first that Gertrude and Claudius hear about the players being in court. And that they're going to have a performance. And they're like, oh, great. Yeah. Great. Maybe Hamlet will enjoy that. And he made, and
0: it made him happy to hear of it. It made him happy. Right. And to see Okay, fine.
2: Right. So then they dismiss Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and Claudius even wants to dismiss his wife.
0: A sweet Gertrude, leave us too, For we have closely sent for Hamlet hither, that he, as t'were by accident, may hear affront Ophelia... Her father and myself will so bestow ourselves that, seeing unseen, we may of their encounter frankly judge and gather by him as he is behaved, ift be the affliction of his love or no, that thus he suffers for. I shall obey you.
2: So affront Ophelia doesn't mean offend her. It just means meet her face to face. Yeah, yeah. Right? Affront. Affront Front front front. to front. Mm -hmm. We see each other. Um, I love this. Seeing unseen. Yeah. That they're seeing, but they're not going to be seen. Right. Mm -hmm. You can really notice things when people don't know you're in the room. Right. Right. And frankly judge just means freely or honestly. They're going to honestly judge him because he doesn't have to react to them.
0: Mm, Sort
2: of. Not really. Okay. And Gertrude, what does she answer? I shall obey you. I shall obey you. But notice what she says to Ophelia, really interesting. And for your part, Ophelia, I do wish that your good beauties be the happy cause of Hamlet's wildness. So shall I hope your virtues will bring him to his wanted way again, to both your honors.
0: So she's saying I, I hope that he's in love with you, and I hope that by seeing you he'll come the fuck down and go back to his usual behavior. Go back behavior. to his usual behavior. Yep. Yeah. So she does she know they're in love? she does.
2: Seems like, yeah. And I think she loves Ophelia.
0: I think that becomes clear later. Yeah.
2: yeah. So all things being equal, I, th- I feel like she thinks this would be a good match for her son if
0: she... Well, and also I wonder yeah. about how Gertrude ended up marrying King Hamlet in the first place. Like mm. Maybe she feels a kindred thing with Ophelia. Like yeah. maybe she was plucked from a court. and yeah. You know, who knows? But the thing is, she is very... It becomes clear at the end of the play how she... This is the beginning inkling, but that, that she has a very deep affection. For Ophelia. For Ophelia. And a connection to her, yeah. Yep. Madam, I wish it may. That's Ophelia. That's Ophelia. She's talking to Gertrude.
2: So then Gertrude exits, and Polonius, Ophelia, walk you here. Gracious, so please you, we will bestow ourselves. Read on this book. That show of such an exercise may color your loneliness. So he's giving Ophelia a filial book and he says, here's a good reason for you to be by yourself because right. you're reading. It's a prop. Color just means give reason for and your loneliness, you being alone. We are oft to blame in this; 'tis too much proved that with devotion's visage and pious action, we do sugar o'er the devil himself. Oh, huh. so he's saying that uh, he's peop- saying that to her. Yeah, he's saying, well, in general, that people can put on some kind of action that looks pious and, you know, reverent and stuff, and they may be the devil underneath.
0: Right, but is he, I mean, is he just spouting knowledge there, or is he saying to her, well, she's the pious action, and they are the devils. Oh, I get it. Okay, 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 okay. okay.
2: So she is covering their listening. Yeah. Which is really ugly. But then Claudius hears that and he has, now this says aside. Now this, you know, either Polonius is over there talking to Ophelia and that's why it's an aside. But it's something, it's a oh, confession here. Yeah. It's the start of a confession.
0: Oh, tis too true. How smart a lash that speech doth give my conscience. The harlot's cheek, beautied with Plastering art is not more ugly to the thing that helps it than is my deed to my most painted word. Yeah.
2: so This is why I think the speech is cut sometimes, because it's very convoluted. But it's the beginning of a confession, or it's the beginning of his speaking about his murder, which he has never done yet. Right. So the harlot's cheek, the whore's face, beautied with plastering art, that's the makeup that's covering it to make it beautiful. The horse face is not uglier underneath to the makeup that is covering it than my deed is ugly to the words that are covering
0: it. Mm-hmm.
2: So he knows that underneath whatever he says is still this horrible thing that, that he, he did. did.
0: And how smart a lash that speech yeah. doth give my because conscience. It like, like, whoa. It just right. Stung me. Yeah. Stung, stung me because I. All right. Because
2: I'm saying. Terrible. oh heavy burden. because i'm trying to find outward reasons for the thing that i know already right i already know why everybody's upset right and polonius i hear him coming withdraw my lord and they scuffle away behind the curtain and hamlet comes in thinking he's
0: alone and ophelia uh, is somewhere on the stage reading a book pretending to read a book to be or not
2: to be that is the question whether 'tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them okay so suffer patiently endure he's he's trying to decide whether he should patiently endure the situation that he's finding himself into right mm-hmm. the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune all the shit that fortune throws at you, mm-hmm. or to fight it, right? Take arms, like get in the battle and fight fight all your troubles mm-hmm. and fix them. Mm-hmm. And by opposing end them, to die to sleep no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. So this is interesting, guys, because to die to sleep, people often... Put it into the next line, like saying "to die, to sleep, no more." But that's not because it's a line ending, and he's taking that little breath there. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean "to sleep no more." It means "to sleep, no more." Not nothing more than sleeping. No big deal. Good, mm-hmm. just go to sleep, and right. and you're done with all of this, mm-hmm. right? So he's trying to rationalize suicide as a gentle thing, like. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to go
0: away. Mm-hmm. Right? And, he, and he's, a, he's a believer. So, you so know. So it's difficult for him. It's not a nothing. It's yeah. not a nothing. But also, I was going to say,
2: he, he believes, believes the there's an afterlife. afterlife. Yeah. But not for suicides.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So know. it's hard. Hence the difficulty for him, you guys. You know, again, you don't have to believe the tenets of Catholicism, but you have to believe that the characters believe them. Yeah. Right? Right. So, to die, to sleep, No more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. So we could just put an end to all of the terrible stuff, right? Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. Consummation is an amazing word there.
0: Well, right. So we know you consummate a marriage. Yeah. Right? So when you get married, if you don't do the fucky fuck, it's not a real marriage. It's not finished,
2: right? Right. So consummation, it's like summing up. It means putting a, closing the circle, putting a period on it, right? Yeah. So he's saying that going to sleep is a consummation. It's the end of what life is should be. That that's that it's just the way it is, right? Right. And devoutly to be wished for. I will pray for this ending. Yeah. Wild, right? Yeah. So there's so much mixed in there, guys, right? To die, to sleep, to sleep. Perchance to dream, I, there's the rub. Remember about that word dream? Yeah. So he's frightened of what happens afterwards in the form of dreams. Like if I fall into this kind of sleep, what kind of dreams happen? Right. And, and, And circles of hell and all that. Yeah. Right. So I, there's the rub means that's the problem. Yep. That is the problem for me. For in that sleep of death, what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause.
0: Right, that's exactly what we're talking about. If we kill ourselves, shuffled off this mortal coil, if we're shuffling it off, like leaving
2: our body behind, freeing ourselves from it. But
0: voluntarily, not not by natural causes. What happens to us after? What happens? Because what? what I've been taught is that it ain't good. Is that it ain't good, that you are
2: tortured in purgatory or rings of hell or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Must give us pause. So it keeps me from doing this thing. It makes you stop and think. Mm-hmm. Now I want you guys to notice too that all of these thoughts end in the middle of a line. Yeah. So there's periods in the middle of a line called a caesura, again, if we, we mentioned it before, after Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. It means that the that the character is, it doesn't mean that they're pausing at the end of that thought and really thinking. It means that the next thought is coming in fast, fast. So it's not like he's just like pondering and philosophizing. He's like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Okay. So must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. Respect meaning consideration, right? He's considering all of these things. And calamity of so long. It means people hang on to their lives because they don't know what's afterwards. And they'd rather take the horrible stuff that they have here than go to something else that might be worse. Mm -hmm. And that's what he's going to describe now. He's going to describe all the horrible things that are here. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time? All of the indignities that that time gives you, wrinkles and pain and all of the horrible stuff. Incontinence. Incontinence, right? Yeah. Becoming old ain't for sissies, guys. Right? <laughs> but the alternative ain't so good either. That's what we think. That must give us pause, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, the oppressor's wrong. The poor man's contumely. There's contumely. a word. Scorn. So it's uh, the oppressors are the people in power, uh-huh. right? And the contumely is the scorn or the abuse that poor people suffer at the hands of the people in power. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. So he's taking extremes, right? Or, or antitheses, right? right? The oppressor and then the poor man, right? right? The people on the opposite sides of those arguments, right? The pangs of despised love, the laws delay. So some editions say despised, so hated love. But despised as it is in the quarto is really interesting because it means unvalued, uncherished love, mm. right? The love that you give out that nobody cares Unrequited. about. Unrequited. Yeah, mm. which we're going to look at in a moment in the nunnery scene, right? right? The law's delay is like how long it takes to get anything done by legal means. Oh my God. Right? Which is maybe also part of his relationship problem, right? He can't just up and say, okay, oh, yeah, let's get married. Right. There's a whole thing right. about getting permission and shit. <sighs> the insolence of office and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes. So insolence, arrogance, mm-hmm. pride, obnoxious, you know. Of office meaning of people who are official. Yeah, official people, people in power. Um, and the spurns, again, it's the abuses that good people with talent suffer at the hands of these people in power who can stop them and thwart them at every turn, right? And that could be about Ophelia. Yeah. Right? Like they just have simple desires, just want to be together. Mm-hmm. I just want everything to be much easier. I didn't. I, I wish I didn't know that my father was murdered, right? Yeah, right. Things would be a lot easier. Uh, who would bear all these things, blah, 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 right? When he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin. Quietus is an amazing word because it has the word quiet in it, right? Mm -hmm. So he could arrive at a quiet place, but it's a release. And it also is a legal term for clearing all your debts. So it's like, I die and all debts are paid, right? Right. (laughs) Well, bare bodkin. Bare bodkin is an unsheathed knife. So that's a way to kill yourself.
0: When he himself might his, his accounts clear with, with an
2: unsheathed knife. Yeah. Pull that knife out, kill himself, accounts are cleared. Right. Done. Uh, bear bodkin is also <laughs> his birthday suit, right? His bare body. Mm-hmm. That's how you go. Yeah. Dust to dust. You go from a bare body to a bare body. That's it. That's yeah. how you, that's your trip. Yep. Around the earth. Yeah. Around your life, right? Um, who would these fardels bear? Fartles such a funny word, Nina said. Little farts, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um they're burdens, burdens, parcels, right? To grunt and sweat under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country, from whose born no traveller returns, puzzles the well
0: okay so let's stop (laughs) okay first of all the undiscovered country so the things we don't know about the afterlife if it even exists that place that nobody
2: travels to and comes back right so we can't tell you what it's like right they don't do that right i love the word born though b-o-r-n-e is a boundary Mm -hmm. but it's also the opposite of dying Mm -hmm. beautiful pun beautiful pun for the opposite of life i mean the opposite of death right and it's the boundary of the afterlife, the boundary of the next place. Mm-hmm. No Traveler Returns puzzles the will. Who's the playwright here? Will Shakespeare. Will Shakespeare. Will Shakespeare. Who's confused
0: by this whole argument? Not I. Will Shakespeare. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant the <laughs> argument. <laughs> no. Who's asking the questions? Right. Will Shakespeare. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Isn't that amazing? So it's And it's not buried anywhere, guys. It is a line ending. Puzzles the will. This is Shakespeare going, I don't have any fucking answers for you guys. Sorry. I am confused too. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So even though I gave you this giant question at the top
0: of the speech, I ain't giving you any answers. Because I don't know. Because nobody knows. Because nobody ever comes back. Although the ghost did.
2: The ghost did. Yeah.
0: But is he to be
2: believed or is he a spirit of health or goblin damned? He could, yeah, right. We don't know. Yeah. But keep that phrase in mind because we're going to talk a little bit more about that as soon as we finish the speech. Puzzles the will. So we have the actor, we have the character, and we have the playwright all speaking at the same time. Yep. Puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of. Line stop. Ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'd rather stay here and take all the stuff because we have no choice but to go on with our hard lives. lives.
0: But also, it's but, but 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 very clearly, right? We would rather endure our shitty lives than take the chance that it's worse. That it's worse someplace else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's better to the the the, the what is the phrase? The something you know. Yes, the devil you know. Devil is better you than them. Right. Yeah. Yeah
2: interesting choice something you know (laughs) yeah devil you want to be free take a chance on me (laughs) No. (laughs) i don't know these things bubble up i can't help myself (laughs) so thus conscience does make cowards of us all these great words yeah right what is somebody doing when they do that
0: well spitting or cursing cursing. cursing cursing yeah Fucking
2: fuck. I wish I didn't have such a good brain and couldn't reason these things out, right? Okay. Conscience just means consciousness, like knowing all the pros and cons and things and how to think about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Remember that Hamlet is a student of philosophy. Mm -hmm. So knowing, worrying, fearing are all things that make us loathe to take chances. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. And thus, the native hue of resolution is sickly door with the pale cast of thought. So native hue is your natural complexion, the natural complexion of resolution. Like when you get, like, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah, You psyched. are healthy and, you know, excited and the blood is flowing, right? But instead, <laughs> bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> if you are sickly door with pale, right? Mm-hmm. It's because you've been inside thinking, thinking, deliberating too much, and you're not out there acting and doing. Right. Right? And enterprises of great pith and moment, with this regard, their currents turn away and lose the name of action. So, pith, sometimes written as pitch, they're a little bit different. Pith is. Importance and weight and gravity. So, like important things, enterprises, important things to be done. Or pitch is the highest point at which a falcon flies. So, like
0: reaching for this huge, tall thing. Isn't pith also in plant terms, like in trees? Isn't the like, isn't the center a pith? Yeah. Okay.
2: So, like, the, you know, really important core matters. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. With this regard, with this paleness, with this this sickly thinking, their currents, like, I means their their actions turn away, right? Mm-hmm. And they and they don't do the action. They don't do the thing. They decide not to act. And then he suddenly notices Ophelia walking around reading a book. Soft, you know, the fair Ophelia, nymph in thy orisons, be all my sins remembered. Orson's is the prayer book, right? Prayers, yeah. So he she looks pious. She looks again pious, like she's reading a prayer book, right? Uh-huh. And so he says, please pray for me.
0: Oh, he's yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: So we're gonna let you hear from Cooper here, but first,
0: what first? The authorship question. That's what I thought you were talking about when yes. you said who's who. Who's. I, I was like, well, I'm not confused because <laughs> I know. Who I know. Yeah.
2: So you may hear in your ramblings with Shakespeare this argument that is all over the interwebs and all that shit uh, called the authorship question. And what it is is a big, huge, global debate about whether or not it was William Shakespeare, the man from Stratford, upon Avon who wrote all of these magnificent plays or whether it was someone else who somehow disguised themselves with this either pen name or um, stand-in bumbler to (laughs) to you know present their plays at court
0: and it infuriates me guys it makes me really angry (laughs) There are some plays that I think Shakespeare co-wrote. Yeah. with others, and that's proven because and you could tell the difference di- in the exactly in the
2: voice. Yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, Pericles is taken over in the middle by someone, and uh, I mean, or, or is written in until the middle by someone else, and then Shakespeare takes over, and you can tell. Right, the brothel scene is so great. The scene with Marina bringing her father back to life so
0: yep. beautiful, yep. definitely Shakespeare. But before that, it's very awkward and messy. Yeah, and and other writers of this time who who were putting on plays didn't have his facility with language, didn't understand how he how you can use use iambic pentameter and the lack of iambic pentameter to cause things to happen. Like they didn't they didn't play in the same emotions, way they did. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It was much more presentation than it was yeah. And oratory. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And so you can tell. And it's interesting to me that even people like Mark Rylance, who I think is an amazing actor and an amazing Shakespearean yeah. actor, questions. Yeah, and Derek Jacoby is yeah, an amazing Shakespearean actor. Questions the, 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 the provenance of the yeah. plays. And I don't understand that. Well, one of the arguments
2: that really just gets my goat is... um. That it couldn't possibly have been someone from the country. That it couldn't possibly have been someone without a certain degree of education. And this argument is put forth by the people who believe it was this man, the Earl of Oxford. Henry Rothsley, the Earl of Oxford. Um, And it's because they're like, well, only a nobleman could write like this. Fuck off. Okay. Look at playwrights today. Yeah. Look at poets today. Yeah. And who's to say, like these, you know, Shakespeare had uh, education only through what would be our seventh grade. But they went to school every fucking day from, you know, like dawn till dusk. And they studied Latin and Greek and and all of these incredible, you know, uh, works from time immemorium. So he could base all of his... Uh, uh, similes and, and you know, all of these classical references to myths and to stuff. He had
0: that education that would allow him to do that. Right? But also, let's look at someone like Albert Einstein, right? Who, who did so poorly in school, you know, up until he was given free reign to... Uh, Think but, as he wanted. Right, right. When he was confined, he was a failure at school, right? But when his mind was let free... He he changed the world, right, yeah. and the way we look at our place in the world and how things work. So my point is, if you have the mind that plays with words, regardless of whether you're educated classically or not educated classically, if you have the mind that plays with words and understands how rhythm and emotion are connected, which we as human beings innately know, but some of us have more connection to it than others, you don't need to be an Earl and to understand educated that. classically. Or to create language. People do it all the time now.
2: Yeah,
0: Words get created. All the time, yeah. which is why we have the, you know, the Merriam-Webster puts out the words of the year, because they're yeah. new. New words. <laughs> you know? Shakespeare did all the time. So I, and, and like we talked about in Romeo and Juliet, all the references to gloves and leather and... Are all from his childhood, particularly. Right. Right. And then...
2: Th- um, many arguments are made for, you know, lots of his other plays were uh, dependent on certain sources and resources and stuff and plays that had been written before or mm-hmm. plays that he improved upon, including Hamlet. Um, but Midsummer Night's Dream is a play completely from his own imagination. There is no source material. I mean, there's Theseus, yes, yeah, you know, right. as a, as and a mythological right. character. Um, So, and it is full of references to the natural world, flowers and things and little creatures that someone who's educated in nobility, those people didn't go out in the forest. Mm -hmm. Those people didn't go, didn't understand the plantings in the garden the way that a person from the country would. Yeah. And so there's so many arguments to be made for the fact that he had an education that was much broader than that of a nobleman, Mm -hmm. right? He knew things about.
0: Things that noble people
2: would never have had the occasion to learn because they just weren't
0: and also, out in the world let's, in the same let's way. Let's talk about the nobles and their uh, their um, view of the groundlings. Right. Would they, they have they would written never, scenes for the groundlings? They would never. No. no. Because they would have thought, fuck those people. Oh, caviar is too good for them. So right. we'll caviar just to keep. We'll just keep it all caviar. Yeah. And we'll keep those people out of our theaters. Yeah.
2: So this is what's fascinating to me about this play, too, because this is also really Shakespeare examining his relationship as, as author, as playwright, as player, because the players are very important and crucial to the changing of the action in this play. Yeah. As player, to be able to change people's minds, the way people think, the, influence the world in a way that, you know, that the law doesn't always have that power. Isn't that great? Yeah. Puzzles, though, Will. So if somebody gives you this fucking authorship question bullshit, you point them to this speech and go, yeah? Will Shakespeare puts his name right here in the middle of the most famous play of the most famous, I mean, the most famous speech of the most famous play. So fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on that note, here's Cooper. Yay. (laughs) All right. Welcome, Cooper. Tell us a little bit about who you are.
1: Yeah, um, so I'm Cooper. Um, he, him. I've been um, in CST since I was like 11. My very first show was Hamlet and now my very last show is also Hamlet.
2: Yay! Full circle. Awesome. And uh, what what prompted you to want to come and do Shakespeare?
1: Um, I had been always really interested in, you know, theater, musical theater since I was a little kid. Um, and I had heard of a bunch of people doing children Shakespeare. Um, I'd kind of gotten tired of the whole musical route and I wanted to try it out and I stuck with it ever since.
2: Nice. And we're glad that you did. Me too. I remember you coming to rehearsals with your mom, though, even before that, right? Like as a little kid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely, um, definitely got to observe.
0: So when you were first cast in Hamlet, what were your thoughts, A, about your part, B, about play so you mean like the very first time yeah the very first
2: time way back when
1: um i don't know i i think i was just i was very intimidated but i was also pretty honored um for uh the first time i played it i was polonius um i really fell in love with the role it felt um very funny witty um i had a lot of fun with it but yeah just the whole world of shakespeare was pretty new to me and it i mean there's definitely a lot of hurdles i had to go through with um, being able to understand the language and all the interactions and all that but um yeah I just really like sort of discovering all of that
0: and you were a very funny Polonius you were super funny
2: what helped you what helped you find that funny
1: how did I find that funny I don't know I think just somewhat of like how Polonius thinks and how he talks just sort of I don't know re- resonated um, with me a bit with like my character um I don't know. Just he—he's definitely a relatable character.
2: Didn't you do? Do I remember? Did you have a uh, like a walking stick or something that we used at first? I did.
1: I don't even really remember why, but I was so set on having a limp and just <laughs> really going through with this limp um, idea. And I would just be practicing it all the time. I was walking around school with a limp just to try to. <laughs> have that be ready to do on stage so yeah
2: and I I feel like I remember this walking stick thing and eventually I took it away from you because because you were like pounding Damn. it and stomping yeah and, yeah. And so. yeah.
1: yeah I, I definitely <laughs> used it to emphasize the uh certain lines and I it just <laughs> yes. too much but I did do the lens
2: Yes, you, you were able to continue the limp without the stick, without which the was stick, a yeah. big relief.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then right after that, you you have a weird connection to Hamlet, because right after that, weren't you, weren't you Claudius and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead?
1: Yeah, that was um, really just the next year after that. Um, so I kind of got to explore the whole play of Hamlet even more. Um, and that was a lot of fun, too.
2: Yeah, the cape. Ah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was uh that, that was another um prop that i really went whole hand with but um no i remember one time i every single entrance and every exit i would just do this huge flourish with the cape and yeah. it would just get more and more over the top and i guess i got a little bit ahead of myself because one time i i walked on stage and i did the whole flourish and it got stuck on a nail and <laughs> I I don't remember which one, but it was this whole entrance and I was supposed to say this line and I I remember I was just struggling for maybe 30 seconds to just (laughs) unstick it. And finally it ripped and everyone thought it was so funny that I would pretend to have it get stuck every night after that.
2: (laughs) Awesome. So you're uniquely positioned to speak about how props help a person find a character.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think just there's so much in um, Shakespeare that's just conducive to, prop work and costumes and you know, all that. So yeah, I definitely had a lot of fun with that.
2: Did you ever have an experience in the classroom where like a teacher brought out a couple of things and said, here, these are things that you might use as these characters?
1: No, maybe, I don't know. I feel like so much in um, like classroom learning of Shakespeare is just all text-based and it's like this over-analyzing of just text. And I, so much of Shakespeare is just meant to be performed And I think ultimately that's just like sort of the format it was intended for. So while you can like, I don't know, you can kind of like get stuff from the text. It really just seeing it and seeing all of these different interpretations and actors um, play it, that's when you really start to like get the joy of Shakespeare. And I think there's definitely a lot less of that in a classroom setting.
0: Yeah. When you're doing text work in classrooms, are you, what kind of text work are you doing? Are you doing like breaking it down into the iambic pentameter and looking at the variations in the beats or is it more what is it like we don't even know
1: (laughs) um yeah so i mean there's definitely like a mention of iambic pentameter but it's really it just sort of seems like you know reading every single scene and just you know what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean and it's just sort of like it's almost like a no fear shakespeare version of like learning shakespeare where it's it's like one interpretation
2: I was just going to ask you if you use translation text, do you?
1: I mean, not really. It just, it's sort of like the way that um, the format of learning is just sort of like based on one interpretation.
0: Why do you, so, okay, I know why I think Shakespeare's in the curriculum still to this day, but why do you think your teachers think Shakespeare's in the curriculum now?
1: Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, there's, like, this very big push to have, like, a way more diverse range of authors and writers that aren't just this, like, you know, white, old guy, you know. Um, But I think what sort of, like, sets Shakespeare apart um, is, like, all of his plays are very timeless. His themes are very timeless. You can, it can fit sort of any setting, any environment. Um, And then, like, definitely in his plays, you know, with characters like Shylock, Merchant of Venice, or, like, Othello, um He's like talking about these themes of like oppression, and he he has this like pretty advanced like sense of empathy and understanding that I think was like way ahead of his time. I mean, it, it's definitely you know, his perspective. But I think it just, you know, to this day, it still holds a lot of relevance. So I, I think that's why it's it's good to keep him in the curriculum.
2: Yeah. Can we talk about Shylock? Yeah, because yeah, you had that experience, and that was fantastic. And most Shakespearean actors never get to play that role. Most Shakespearean actors never get to play Shylock and Hamlet. Right. (laughs) No Shakespearean (laughs) actors who will fit those, you know, in a traditional sense, fit those two roles. So this is an incredible opportunity. But can you talk about Shylock and like what it felt like approaching that role and then what you learned when you were inside of it?
1: Yeah. um, So, you know, obviously um, there's a lot of anti-Semitism in the play. And there's this whole debate of, you know, is Shakespeare anti-Semitic or is he talking about anti-Semitism? And I think regardless of what his stance was, any production can like choose that for themselves. And I think the one that we took and the one that I took when I played Shylock is like, you know, he's talking about it and he's writing Shylock with a lot of empathy. He's a fully, he's not a stereotype. I mean, he he is a stereotype, but the way that he's thinking and he's talking, he's, just so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a Jew and as you know, someone who likes Shakespeare, I just really um enjoyed playing him. Um I remember um in the trial scene at the end of um at the very end and it's like this real like peak of his character um I started out um learning it and just playing it where I would just be fully angry and just um that was it it was the it was the one emotion. Um and Diana one thing you said is that like you know, that's playing into the stereotype. Like he's not, he's so much more than angry. And you had me do this thing where the whole entire cast would hold my arms back and I would do all the lines struggling to get away from him. And it it just added like all of these extra levels of like vulnerability. And just, it really just made the characters so much more whole. And I just really appreciated that.
2: So is that like a technique you could use in the classroom? Do you think, like if you were a teacher trying to explore that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think just having kids read the text and seeing productions and just different productions too. Like if, you know, there there wouldn't be one movie of Merchant of Venice that they'd watch. They'd see a bunch of different actors, um, each playing it, each having their takes. And they would, you know, maybe show some of the less good sides. Like, yeah, this could be taken as just like a really anti-Semitic play where Shylock is this stereotype of the money-grubbing Jew, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I always thought that, like, when Shakespeare gives particular attention to any one character, it's definitely not because he hates them or hates their kind of person. Right. So people say that about women all the time. Oh, Shakespeare is misogynist. Impossible because he writes women so beautifully. Right. And he gives them incredible things to say. And he wouldn't do that. Same with Richard III. He gives him these incredible things to say.
1: Yeah, or King Lear.
2: Or King Lear, right? So they're not just one sided, you know, crazy people or, you know, psychopaths or whatever. They have a lot going for them that Shakespeare wants to illuminate by letting them speak.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's just every character is so fully formed and so complex. And I think that's what really holds a lot of weight today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Human.
2: Yeah. Fully human so talk about hamlet so now that you are, have dabbled in hamlet in two other ways right approached him and from two other points of view polonius and claudius now you get to be the man <laughs> talk about him and what are your expectations and uh what do you think you'll learn from playing him
1: yeah i don't know i think it's a little bit of the like shylock dilemma i had I've a lot of um, when I was younger I got cast as like the funny roles and like the sort of the Polonius and you know it's hard because like a character like Hamlet could just be played as like this really angsty um, college-age kid who's just like very angry Um, and I'm just really working on trying to find that vulnerability and there's like a lot of very like humble things he said he's not he's not a very like courageous and like kind of cool character he's kind of a mess and I think I'm just sort of trying to lean into that and really um I don't know find something at its own
0: He has such an interesting arc Hamlet. I think a lot of people play him very flat. Like he starts this way and then he dies that way. But I don't I he has a remarkable arc. I think Yeah. You know.
2: And, and you're able to embody all of these different characters in a way because he has his turn for madness, right? And he has his turn for anger. And then he has his turn for, you know, in, intense relationships. His mother more than Ophelia, right? Um, and so he has all of these opportunities to be almost like four different characters in, in the same play. That's why the plays are so huge.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think what's so compelling about that too is all of these soliloquies. And it's like, it's not just that he has an arc. It's that the audience is inside of his head, like all of the asides, all of the soliloquies. And you just, you really get to see him processing stuff. It's not the, oh, here's what I'm going to do. It's the, what am I going to do?
2: Yeah, right. Right. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah, talk about soliloquies. It's an opportunity for you to be alone with the audience. What do you think is the value in that?
1: I mean, it really just, it shows his vulnerability and it just, you get to be in his head. Like, I've been looking a lot at to be or not to be. And he's just really, like, fully processing this. He's thinking of all of his options. He's, you know, what's the value in living? What's the value in death? Um, Why are people afraid? Like, how is human nature an element in this? And then um, it's just just so human, too, because Shakespeare could have had him, you know, come to a conclusion, come to a full conclusion, but he gets interrupted and Mm -hmm. Ophelia walks in. And I think it's just it's very real and it's um very uh, powerful.
0: Yeah. That and that soliloquy, right? There's so much misunderstanding about that soliloquy and mm-hmm. I I feel like a lot of times people people who allow themselves to really well and there's a bunch of them. It, I mean really, but uh you know, to people who allow themselves to really sink into that conundrum that what is, what does to be alive even mean? You know, and we all have those existential crises like, all through our lives. Right. At, but we don't look at that speech as that a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: he's like in the middle of it. And he also is considering taking a life. Oh, right. So what does that? Is he allowed to do that? What does that mean for him? Right. Yeah yeah how will it affect him too or where is Claudius going if he cuts off his life where is he going yeah is that punishment or is it is it not you know like yeah so much going on
1: yeah there's so much that I think he touches on that like really I mean I seriously doubt at the time too really just isn't talked about like really this sort of like dread of something after death and the is this it you know is this the only life that we have and you know what does that mean and are we all cowards? And I don't know. It's just, I, I really like it. It's definitely one of my favorite ones. In my
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, you should definitely watch this series called uh, I'm going to forget it. Uh, slings and arrows Oh,
0: slings and arrows.
2: Uh, okay. Oh, put it down. It's so great because uh, it's only three se- seasons, but each season they do a different play and it's a Canadian theater company. And so the, the, Time that the season where they do Hamlet is really interesting because he talks, the director talks to his actor. These are fictional people, right? But he's oh, talking you know, to I Actually, I,
1: I've seen clips from this.
2: Yeah, you have. And he says, he says, you know, he's giving this young kid a pep talk and he's like, it's only seven soliloquies. That's it. It's not a four hour play. It's seven soliloquies. You, that's all you have to get through, right? So that's an interesting way to like, you string them together and that's all. It, and you let the other actors help you with the rest of it. You know, because I'm
1: going about memorizing. I'm just, you know, soliloquy by soliloquy. And then I feel like the dialogue will come kind of more naturally because it just sort of fits around that framework.
0: Yeah. Yes. Some of the most beautiful poetry. Yeah. What a piece of work. Is man. That's such a
2: good one. Was there a time when you thought Shakespeare really sucked? Can you remember that? Like a bad experience with Shakespeare?
1: I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever really had um, a bad experience like that. It's just, you know, there were times when I'd see some whole block of text and I just would have no idea what any of it meant. And there's just this feeling that everybody around me knew really well, even though maybe they were bullshitting too, but I don't know. I just definitely, there's this struggle of trying to understand. And there were times when I really just didn't, and I didn't like it as much.
2: And what did you do then?
1: I think that like there were a couple different ways I did. one is just asking you the meaning of stuff because you would no matter what always know the exact (laughs) meaning of something but just for myself too just like looking at the context of the scene like you can almost always sort of tell the meaning of something by just the text around it also like the meter too Mm -hmm. and will like allude to the meaning of something and then um, also just in my house I've got like a bunch of copies of just like old Shakespeare um, paperbacks with notes and I can like look at the meaning of stuff and and sometimes you just have to Google it, but
0: yeah. That's yes, something um, to the usual. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that you brought up that the meter can tell you a lot because that's, I know as an actor, that's the first thing I always do. Even before I read it through reading, I I I mark up my text mm-hmm immediately because i feel like when you have those irregular beats then you have to pay attention to that and and that often does shed light on what the intention of the playwright was and so i i love that you brought that up because i don't think a lot of people and i don't maybe i'm wrong i know with my children when they were in high school and they were studying Shakespeare that didn't get talked about at all could be yeah.
1: um well, I was just gonna say I, I think another thing that sets Shakespeare apart is he's like so empathetic toward the actors and like what you're saying about how the meaning can um allude to uh, I mean the meter can allude to the meaning is like it's all built in and like if you want to take the way that he sort of designed you to speak it it's pretty easy to like you know, there's 13 beats in this line. Okay, so the character is rushing, right? Maybe they're like frantic or there's only four. He's already worked in a pause for you, you know? You're right. Um, or he's taking it slower or I don't know. It's just, there's so much about um, sort of the emotion and how it's spoken that um, he just caters to. and it's it's really, really neat.
2: And it's like yeah. a treasure hunt. Yeah. Oh, totally. I love in the middle. So you're talking about like pause, built-in pauses are great. Um, In the middle of the Rogan peasant slave speech in Hamlet, um, he gets to the middle and he's like, remorseless, treacherous, lecherous, kindless villain, Oh, (laughs) And "oh" is the only syllable in that next line. So he's got nine beats of pause.
0: So excellent.
2: And then he's like, what an ass am I? It's like, look at me, what a stupid jerk I am yelling about claudius this is about me man yeah, <laughs> right definitely. it's a great but most people don't take it they stick that O oh onto the next line right like oh what an ass am i but i love the way it's written in the folio is O oh, by itself and it's beautiful. like what do i do with that nine beats of pause it seems like an eternity but it's a moment for him to think what the fuck am i yelling about yeah <laughs> <What the>
0: fuck <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> As we do. <laughs> so yeah,
1: great. No, of course. No, it's just my favorite thing is just really trying to like lean into the iambic Bethameter. and even just like reading a speech, emphasizing every other yeah. syllable. And yeah. You know, you're not going to do that in the final performance, but you're going to be thinking of it. And it's just going to so just so help with it.
2: Yeah. It's and like
0: muscle memory.
2: Yeah. And the rhythm uh, is in your muscles. And then when the rhythm is off, you'll feel off. You'll feel it. Yeah.
0: yeah. He was so fucking brilliant. Yeah.
2: And thank God it's all on the page, you know. Like I know. people, yeah. yeah. So people think like, oh, the authorship thing, you know, like we have to figure out like exactly who he was so we can figure it all out. You don't. You have the work, right? It's there. It's all there, yeah. We don't need to know, we don't need to know, you know, where he took a piss. Like we don't need to know. It's all on the page. Right so funny how people make such a big deal of, you know, his will and his this, and, you know, who cares?
0: Okay, so if you were going to cast Hamlet using people who are around now, not necessarily actors, anybody, singers, TV personalities, internet, folk TikTok kids you know <laughs> if you were going to cast just the main characters of hamlet who would you cast
1: so okay so i've only thought about two roles but i would say joaquin phoenix would be a really good hamlet
0: Woo! nice
1: and olivia why
0: coleman what gives him
1: would yeah would be gertrude but what's olivia oh.
0: coleman is gertrude yeah. oh that's brilliant
2: yes so why did you pick Joaquin Phoenix? What what gives him something that says Hamlet to you?
1: He, I think it was at the Oscars. He just had this bizarre speech about like veganism and how <laughs> celebrity culture is fake. And it just was like very not at the right time and no one really got it. But I thought it was kind of cool. And it's like, it just felt very Hamlety. I I don't know, something about like that audience was part of this whole, like, inner monologue and like they kind of weren't supposed to see that but I just think he would just lean into Hamlet like so well
0: and did you he see it like be, Joker
1: like, it would be yeah I mean it'd be like that it's like you're not really seeing Hamlet you're seeing him but I think it would I don't know he would fit the role very well
0: so you know the scene in Joker where he's in the public restroom and he starts like dancing in front of the mirror yeah yeah that wasn't he just did that that wasn't written into the script. He was not directed to do that. He just did it, and it's one of the fucking creepiest things I've ever seen on on film. I feel like you know there are all these method actors who embody characters, and so he fucking really does, though. Like yeah, he. There is no question in your mind when you're watching him that he is living that shit. Yeah, he'd be an awesome Hamlet. But then you,
2: you know, there's an interesting thing you said where you like, you wouldn't see Hamlet, you'd see him. But isn't that kind of the thing that you want? Like when I come to see your Hamlet, I want to see Cooper. I do because that's going to be a different Hamlet for me than anybody else ever. That's what's so great.
1: I think there's something in Hamlet where it's like you're seeing the part of that actor that relates to him. So you'll probably see the parts of Cooper that, identify with Hamlet, you know, and I think like most of Joaquin Phoenix would <laughs> fit. So
0: yeah, I love that.
2: And Olivia <laughs>
0: Coleman is just brilliant. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She can do anything, man. She could read the phone book and be awesome. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think she would find the she would find the pieces of Gertrude that are soft and vulnerable and sensitive that get lost a lot.
2: Yeah can you imagine the speech where she talks about Ophelia drowning? Oh my God. It would be incredible in her hands in a way that that speech never is. Right. That speech is like, okay, Gertrude's having a big, you know, emotional moment and nobody relates, but yeah, I think it'd be awesome.
0: I would love to get a close up on her face that while she did that, because with her as an actor, her I mean, face. I've never seen her on stage. I've only ever seen her on film. But she—you she, can watch the thoughts in her head manifest on her face. It's like you see the—I don't even know how to describe it. You could see it go across her eyes. Yeah, like uh, like weather. Yeah, of, you know. Oh, it's yeah, it's beautiful. Wild, beautiful. Did you have you seen the David Tennant um, Hamlet?
1: no I haven't I've heard about it though
0: yeah you should watch that one too that's good it's interesting take
2: Watch them all
0: very David Tennant
2: (laughs) because you know there's something to learn from all of them whether it's Hamlet himself or some other character you know yeah except for Kenneth Branagh I never got through the whole thing (laughs) it's too long it did the whole four hours
0: but also you know Kenneth Branagh yeah I have an issue with Kenneth Branagh yeah yeah that was public (laughs) masturbation. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. uh, What about
2: your peers at school? Like when you guys are doing Shakespeare together in a classroom, is there a way that like you can make it more comfortable and more exciting, more accessible for some of them who are really resistant, who are like, I can't stand this.
1: There's nothing like inherent about Shakespeare that isn't compelling. I think his stories anyone could enjoy. It's just sort of like any foreign experience. There's a language barrier. And I think really the emphasis should be on minimizing that as much as possible. And then I think really anyone could love Shakespeare and enjoy it.
2: So like bringing down the status question of like, this is elitist for, you know, people that can only understand it.
1: Yeah, because there, there's so much about Shakespeare that's relatable, that's funny, that's um, that really anyone could enjoy. It's just, you know, you see this whole block of text of iambic, and it just it, it's intimidating. And I, I think just minimizing that, really, anyone could enjoy it.
2: Have you ever volunteered to like get up and do a part that you knew or something, or in class or?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, like there, we've definitely read plays that like I've been in, um, but. I choose to kind of never do the character that I that I actually did in the show and, and I'll let someone else do it. I don't know. I mean, there's something about like performing a play, or at least a snippet of it in class that just, it's never going to have the charm that <laughs> CSD had, so yeah. I don't know. It, it's a lot harder to um, be into it.
2: Yeah, and it's a different way of, you know, different vulnerability because you're open to a lot of criticism. That's hard. What was your? What is one of your favorite characters, either that you've played or that you've seen, um, that you know in a Shakespeare play?
1: Um, I think one of my favorite is King Lear.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, just as a play as a whole, it just—I mean, talk about like an arc. It's just so one of my favorites, and just King Lear as a character is just so great.
0: You know, so interesting. Harold Bloom claims that lear shouldn't be performed you know. that it should be read only because there's no way to do the the half brothers well hmm. that they're just not written really to be which i think is so weird to focus on that piece yeah hmm. because everybody else in that play well and uh, actually i mean they're all great to perform yeah
2: yeah it's full of really rich characters and you got to see your mom be the fool.
1: Yeah. She sure.
2: was so good. So good. What's that like watching your mom on stage?
1: No, it, it's very cool. Um, I mean, she's just a really good actress and it's really neat seeing her do Shakespeare. And um, I don't know, I mean, I, I guess it's not like super genetics thing but it's it kind of almost like that's like my source. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I yeah. on stage and it's, yeah, it's really great. And also her as the fool was just, it was like the perfect role.
0: Right, and, yeah. and, and and she and Andrew next to each other were just
1: gold, oh, gold. Was so good.
2: So anything that you anticipate about your journey through the play as being like, whoa, biggest challenge? Like in terms of, is there a relationship in the play or um, a scene in particular?
1: Um, biggest challenge?
2: I guess I was thinking about relationships. Like what about you <coughs> and Julia, you and Charlotte? Um, you know, those like playing off of them and how that might work in your head.
1: I mean, it's funny because I don't even super see those as like challenges. I just, I see all of those as strengths. Like I've grown up with Charlotte and Julia and Alex and I think whenever I have a scene with them it's like that like pre existing chemistry and like our relationship before just like really, um, I don't know, informs the performance.
2: Does it have to do with trust?
1: Yeah, I think it does have to do with trust. Even if it's um, a scene where two characters don't trust each other, mm-hmm. just already having that comfortability is just really going to help me.
2: Yeah, because yeah. you can give them all kinds of stuff and know that it's OK, because our relationship is awesome and it's going to be fine. And even if this turns out to be this horrible, difficult, prickly thing oh, yeah,
1: no, of course.
2: Yeah, between yeah. us on stage, it'll still be, yeah. Beautiful. Nice. Beautiful. All right. Lightning round. Lightning round. All right. We're going to lightning round you with some some words from Shakespeare because, like, you know, this is like getting one on the text for the first time. And what the fuck does that mean? You know? So just off the top of your head, whatever you think. Ready? Pissmire
1: Pissmire Um, it's a pond that people be in.
2: <laughs> yes. Excellent. Uh what about holy thistle?
1: Holy thistle, uh, pubic hair.
2: Excellent. Uh Claude Pole.
1: Claude pole, uh penis.
2: Yeah. They're all like, what about um gibbet?
0: Um
1: it's like, god damn it.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, barbermonger.
1: Barbermonger. Um someone who solicits barbers for money.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> um uh, last one, rampalion
1: Um, I don't know, like rap scallion, like just a just a conniving asshole.
2: Conniving yeah. yes. asshole. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh thank you so much, Cooper. This was such fun. Can't wait to see Hamlet.
1: Thanks so much.
2: Bye. Ophelia. Just sitting there minding my own business, reading my prayer book. Yeah. And here she goes. Good, my
0: lord. So
2: it's it's actually a shared line, right? So Hamlet ended with, be all my sins remembered. Good, my lord. What kind of an address is that?
0: Very formal. Very formal. Good, my lord. Well, she knows she's being watched. Watched. She knows she's being watched by her father and the king. Yeah. So she's going to behave formally. Yeah, so she has information that Hamlet doesn't have yet. How does your honor for this many a day? In other words, I haven't seen you in a really long time. have you been?
2: And also, it's very, like, it's a lady in waiting, curtsying to the prince. It's not the speech of lovers. Nope. At all. Nope. And then Hamlet says, I humbly thank you. Well, well, well. (sighs) So humble. He's trying to, like, bring their speech back. He's inviting her to speak less formally.
0: Yeah. My lord... I have remembrances of yours that I have longed, longed long. My lord, I have remembrances of yours that I have longed long. My lord, I have remembrances of yours that I have longed long to redeliver. I pray you now receive them. No, not I. I never gave you aught. So in other words I have your underwear that you left in my room <laughs> your toothbrush and your toothbrush and I'm um, giving them back to Things you Things that you gave me that I need to give you back because right.
2: our our relationship is not appropriate.
0: It is Uva, but so it it does not necessarily underwear and toothbrush. It could be a portrait. It could be a, a book. It Could be a handkerchief. Yeah, right. Something. Right. Something, something that you gave to me. Of his. Right. That you gave to me that I am now returning One of to his you. Stockings that was down jived. <laughs> oh dear. But... Um. Right. So I'm I'm giving it back to you because our our relationship is inappropriate. But also I'm giving it back to you to show my father and the king that you gave me things. Hmm. Yeah. And it was wonderful.
2: You might not hear the whole development of this, but Erin had a hard time with longed long. It's almost like she's stuttering, like she's nervous. Yeah. She's very nervous. And she's being watched. Yeah. To. <laughs> and he's like, no, I didn't give you anything. I never gave you aught. And then there's four beats of silence. Like, what do I do with that? Or they just look at each other.
0: Yeah. Uh, my honored Lord, you know right well you did. And with them words of so sweet breath composed, as made the things more rich, their perfume lost, take these again. For to the noble mind, rich gifts wax poor when givers prove unkind. Good, so who's the noble mind here? The noble mind, rich. hers. She is. Yeah.
2: Notice that for her speech at the end, because people often think it's Hamlet. Oh no! It's her, it's her. It's her here. It's definitely her here. Yeah. Right. So she's so she's sticking to
0: her script. She's right. Like, I need to you, take back your shit. You know you gave me things, and you and when you gave them to me, you talked really sweetly to me, and they made that made the things that you gave me feel even more important than they were just in and of themselves. But now their their sweetness is lost because You're you. Not sweet not are not sweet and we can't have this relationship so they're not rich gifts anymore now they're poor to me and you need to take them back
2: yeah beautiful gifts that are shitty when the giver is mean
0: there my lord
2: ha ha are you honest my lord are you fair what means your lordship Good. So they are shifting now to prose. Right. So he's immediately suspicious because she's sticking to this script and insisting that he takes this stuff back. And he's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. And honest means chaste.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's kind of like he's saying, stop acting like we were never intimate. Stop it. Mm-hmm. You know that we have slept together. You know that we have more than this. Why, Why are you doing this?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he's angry. Right. Yeah. And then fair it has a double meaning. It's beautiful, but it's also reasonable, right? Right. What are you doing? Right. Right? What means your lordship? That if you be honest and fair, your honesty should admit no discourse to your beauty. So you wouldn't allow yourself to be beguiled by sweet words but if you were chaste. whose sweet words? His sweet words? Yeah. So it's like, if you wanted to play this fucking act, then... You wouldn't have given in to me in the first place. Oh, like, okay. Right. You know, is this, now you're playing like the court lady bullshit act? What yeah.
0: the fuck? Right. Right? Yeah. Could beauty, my lord, have better commerce than with honesty? So she's like, well, beauty and honesty should go together. Beautiful right. people
2: should stay chaste and then they will snag the husband that they need and whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I truly, for the power of beauty will sooner transform honesty from what it is to a bod than the force of honesty can translate beauty into his likeness. So, people who are beautiful sometimes manipulate that beauty, mm-hmm. right? Into getting what they want. So, a bod is like getting, right? Is, is a pimp, is a trapping, right? Mm-hmm. The lover. Than the force of honesty, then then chastity doesn't have that power. Mm-hmm. Chastity is a weird thing, right? Mm-hmm. That we don't even talk about anymore now as a, as a
0: thing, as a concept. Well, I mean, some people do. Yeah. Some people do in yeah. sex ed in in, in in high school, right? When yeah. you were to teach abstinence. Bullshit. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but it
2: feels like Hamlet's kind of saying, like, I wouldn't have minded that you weren't a virgin when we were married because... These are new ideas, the fact that boys and girls, men and women, have to understand each other in more ways than just some kind of set-up marriage arrangement. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that he thinks, it's okay with me what we did, and that suddenly it feels like it's not okay with her. Right. And so he's throwing it in her face. So he's angry, and he's really throwing it back in her face, right? This was sometime a paradox, but now the time gives it proof. I did love you once. Indeed, my lord. You made me believe so. So... It's like, this used to be true, but now you're proving it. So that's what I think. He thinks, like, chastity was a concept that's old. But, like, who cares? Right. And so now he's like, I, I loved you. I did love you. Why are we talking like this? Yeah. He's really confused, and it's making him upset. Yeah. Very upset. Because I think his coming to Ophelia in the closet, it's like she's the only person he could trust. Right. And now he feels like, wait, wait a minute. What's happening? Right. You, too? are going to be weird with me? Right. I did love you once. Indeed, my lord, you made me believe so. You should not have believed me. For virtue cannot so inoculate our old stock, but we will relish of it. I loved you not. So this is really interesting. Inoculate our old stock is a grafting uh, image. It's about like changing an old tree into something different or Mm -hmm. an old plant into something different. So he's like... You being a lovely person can't change the nature of my fucking bloodline that I have to be this awful person in this way, in this laws delay oppressors kind of way, Mm -hmm. that I have these obligations and these awful things. And so you're assuming that that's how I'm going to act. Yeah, it's hard.
0: I was the more
2: deceived. Get thee to a nunnery. Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? Interesting. So, like, do you want to bring more people into the world like this, like me? Yeah. I am myself indifferent, honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things that it were better my mother had not born me. So why do you want to bring more guys like me into this world? Yeah. Born, and there's the word born. Born. B-O-R-N-E, right? Mm-hmm. Amazing, because he just used it as the boundary, right? right? So it's like he's setting up now a boundary between the two of them yeah. that will never be breached now, right. because he's going to put awful words between them that he can't take back. Right. Right? I am very proud, revengeful, ambitious, with more offenses at my back than I have thoughts to put them in. So my back means my command. Mm-hmm. I have more offenses like at my Like beck and command. Mm-hmm. Then I have thoughts to put them in, imagination to give them shape, or time to act them in. What should such fellows as I do crawling between earth and heaven? We are errant knaves. All believe none of us. Errant knaves. Absolute shitheads. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Don't believe us. Don't believe any man. Go to a nunnery. So here it feels like maybe he is saying convent. Yes, absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Go thy ways to a nunnery. Where's your father? Suddenly has a reason to think. Wait a minute. Why are you Maybe doing this, this conversation is not your idea.
0: Mm-hmm. At home, my lord. Let the doors
2: be shut upon him, that he may play the fool nowhere but in his own house. Farewell. Oh, help him, you sweetheart. If thou dost marry, I'll give thee this plague for thy dowry. Be thou as chaste as ice, as pure as snow. Thou shalt not escape calumny. What's calumny? Slander. Slander. So it doesn't matter how you act. You are going to be thought the worse of by the men in charge. Yep. It doesn't matter. matter. Yep. So you might as well have slept with me and love me and marry me instead of carrying on with this shit. Yeah. Right? So everybody's like, fuck, Hamlet is brutal here. And he's, yes, he's brutal. But he's brutal
0: because he's so very hurt. So this, I'm not excusing him. Yeah, but I'm this just isn't saying. how he thought it was going to go. And... He is being brutal, but in a way, he's also trying to protect her. Yeah. Right? Go, go, go. Don't listen to men. Don't be taken in by men. Powerful men will slander you. They will ruin you. Just like I ruined you. Go. Yeah. And then you'll
2: give birth to another one, and you'll have to watch him going through this whole thing, and he's going to turn into a shit, and
0: there's just no escaping it. Right. So he is brutal, but he's also protective yeah. in his brutality. I'm not excusing it, but no. yep. So but the beautiful thing would be to see this scene
2: acted with equal parts love and brutality. How could you do that? How could you do that?
0: I think people do it all the time. Yes. <laughs> I think yes. I think marriages are often loving like and that. brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But that's the truth of this scene. Yeah.
2: Get thee to an nunnery. go, farewell. And this, I think, is where the word nunnery shifts now. Not there, that one was still nunnery, but the next piece. Mm -hmm. Or, if thou wilt needs marry, marry a fool. For wise men know well enough what monsters you make of them. To a nunnery, go, and quickly, too, farewell. So monsters, monsters are cuckold. Monsters are also pe- things that are not recognizable to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So I think he is looking at himself now and going, what the fuck? How did I become this person? Right. How am I so brutal towards I'm her? I'm horrible. Yeah. I'm horrible. And look, this is made out of this lying that we are doing now between each other.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. <sighs> right? Right. That's ah. awful. Yeah. 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 Lots of layers. And
2: quickly, quick lay...
0: Quick lay. (laughs) Right, so, right. Go get a quick lay.
2: Go fuck off.
0: Yeah. Cuckolds uh, are husbands whose wives sleep around.
2: Mm. Just so you know. So He's like, that's what you're going to make me into, you know. So now he's throwing it back at her. It's ugly, ugly.
0: Oh, heavenly powers, restore him. Restore him, right? He's not acting like Hamlet. No. She doesn't know who the fuck this is. Yeah. And is that a prayer, sort of?
2: Yeah. So she could be on her knees praying. Yeah, right? absolutely. And he's like, this is not you either. Right. Get the fuck up. Right? Yeah. I have heard of your paintings, too, well enough. Painting is always a word for makeup, guys. And makeup to Elizabethans was like a way of lying. It's a way of covering up who you really are. Makeup was really thick and goopy then, too. Like, really And intense. people
0: covered... People covered their syphilis sores with, yes. with beauty marks, yes. so you couldn't tell that they had sores. And uh, actors covered their faces
2: with makeup, which mm-hmm. was lying, you mm-hmm. know, another way of lying. So, I have heard of your paintings, too, well enough. God has given you one face, and you make yourselves another. You jig, you amble, and you lisp, and nickname God's creatures and make your wantonness your ignorance. Ooh, full of ugly language so here. So ugly. Jig is like some kind of sexy dance, like a pole dance. Yeah. Right? You, you're doing sexy dances. You amble. Amble means to troll the streets for Johns. Right. Like it also walk. means to walk, walk in a slow yeah, but, way. Yeah,
0: but right. Walk slowly with your slowly, hips swaying, yeah. probably. You lisp.
2: That means you talk dirty. Mm-hmm. Talk dirty to me, baby. Lisp at me, baby. Um, Nicknamed God's creature, so you speak dirty words for body parts. Right,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and make your wantonness and your ignorance. You pretend that you don't realize that you're cock-teasing and being slutty. Mm-hmm. Ooh, go to. I'll know more on it. It hath made me mad. Mm-hmm. He means angry, yes. but he also means like sexually aroused. Yes, you did this. You did all those things. You you got me to love you, and this is the result. Now what? He's really confused and really upset. Yeah. Yeah. I say we will have no more marriages. So he feels, I think he feels like somebody's listening. Yeah. So he can, you know, he can make these pronouncements. I'm not marrying this fucking bitch, and I am not doing what you people tell me to do. Right. Right? And also the marriage that just happened. Fuck off with that. Yeah. Right? I say we will have no more marriages. Those that are married already, all but one shall live. The rest shall keep as they are to a nunnery.
0: Go. And he leaves. And the all but one, all those that are married already? They can live except for the one. Who? Mom and uncle.
2: One. No, just Claudius. Those that are married already? already All all but one. One shall live. One married person is going to die.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I always thought it was both of them. One marriage instead yeah. of one person. Yeah,
2: and, yeah. Uh, and then he leaves. And notice Ophelia uses the same words: "Noble mind."
0: Yeah. Oh, what a noble mind is here or thrown. There's lots of O's. Oh, in
2: there. oh, oh, oh. Oh, she's so
0: upset. She's so very emotional. The courtiers, soldiers, scholars, eye, tongue, sword the expectancy and rose of the fair state, the glass of fashion and the mold of form, the observed of all observers quite, quite down.
2: Yeah, ooh, so that's all packed with imagery of what Hamlet is, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Um... The courtier looks to him to be the model of the best courtier, right? The soldier, the scholar, all these people are looking to the prince as the model example of the best thing. He is the rose of the fair state. Yeah, the rose is like the ornament. The expectancy is the hope. So he is the hope and the the best uh, example of the best of Denmark has to offer, Mm -hmm. right? The glass of fashion. He's the mirror that everybody else looks at. To say, am I doing the right thing? Am I yeah. fashionable? Am I fashionable? Right? The mold of form, that means he's a pattern of courtly behavior. He, you know, people look to the prince and the king to tell them how to behave at court. Mm-hmm. Right? mm mm-hmm. There's that famous story of the Spanish king who had the lisp, and that's why all Castilians talk like that. <laughs> you know, right? Because they started then to make him not feel like he was out of place, and then it became a fashion yeah and a habit yeah the so observed, she is real idealizing him right yeah
0: the observed of all observers so that's the, someone who's looked at by everybody By everyone else right. everyone who's looking every, is every looking observer at him. is observing him yeah right and then she switches to herself and i of ladies most deject and wretched that sucked the honey of his music vows Now see that noble and most sovereign reason, like sweet bells jangled out of tune and harsh, that unmatched form and feature of blown youth. Blown. Yes. (laughs) That unmatched form and feature of blown youth, blasted with ecstasy. Oh, woe is me to have seen what I have seen, see what I see. I love that you stopped there because,
2: yeah, it's blowjob. It means in full bloom, but like in full erection. Yeah. Right? Blasted with ecstasy. Blasted with ecstasy. So sex has made him crazy. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to have seen what I've seen, I saw him in the middle of the act, in the middle of the thing. I've seen him at his most vulnerable and most beautiful. Yeah. And now I see what happened to him as a result. Shit. Yeah. Shit. Notice that when she talks about herself, they're really ugly, kind of spitty sounds.
0: Yeah. Right?
2: She's like self loathing yeah. here. Yeah.
0: Well, oh, she knows she's poor
2: ruined herself baby. And,
0: and him. It's all over
2: now. And she's already turning to mourning him, right? She believes that he's crazy because of the way that they
0: got together, I think. Yeah, and he's <laughs> never been like this before. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Love, his affections do not that way tend, nor what he spake, though it lacked form a little, was not like madness. There's something in his soul or which his melancholy sits on brood, and I do doubt the hatch and the disc will be some danger. Great, so talk about
2: sits on brood. (laughs) Hens. Hens. Well, lots of birds, but... Yeah, birds, birds, and birds in Hamlet. Yeah, here we go. Another reference. Sits on brood and hatch are both words for birds, like birthing something out of a shell. Right. right. Mm-hmm. So I think Claudius is immediately suspicious, and he's like, he's plotting something. Mm. What is he doing? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be dangerous for me. It's gonna right. Will be, some,
0: be danger. some danger. Which for to prevent, I have in quick determination thus set it down. He shall with speed to England. For the demand of our neglected tribute, haply the seas and countries, different with variable objects, shall expel this something settled matter in his heart, whereon his brain's still beating. Mm. Whereon his brain's still beating puts him thus from fashion of himself. What think you on it?
2: Yeah. So he's like.
0: What's he gonna do with him? He's sending him off to England, which is um, he's it's happy because travel, um, travel, travel, cures all is But also he 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 and England have a kind of a reciprocal thing going, and so if if well, England
2: knows him, money,
0: right? So <laughs> so my my point is, you know, happily the seas and countries different with variable objects, like it's like a fresh air, fresh air, right. About New Horizons. New hor- yeah,
2: yes, but our neglected tribute. So England right. owes him money. Right,
0: right, right. That's what so I he's meant. He's going to send
2: Hamlet off to England to collect his money.
0: that's yeah. the
2: official story. Right. What you th- and then he asks Polonius, well, "What do you think?"
0: Uh, it
2: shall do well, but yet I do believe the origin and commencement of his grief sprung from neglected love. How now, Ophelia? You need not tell us what Lord Hamlet said. We heard it all. So he still thinks love is the root of it. Yeah. Um, and then he asks Ophelia at first, there's a question mark, but then he's like, I don't, need to, I don't need to hear from you. I already know. Right. You need not tell us what Lord Hamlet said. We heard it all. My lord, do as you please. But if you hold it fit after the play, let his queen mother all alone entreat him to show his grief. Let her be round with him, and I'll be placed so please you in the ear of all their conference.
0: Oh. More spying. So, So if you're still not sure, have Gertrude ask him to bear his heart to her so she can... Just the two of them. Yeah, alone. in. Right. Alone. But I'll be hiding.
2: Listening. But I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Yeah. If she find him not to England, send him. Or confine him where your wisdom best shall think. So
0: either send him to England or lock him up. Lock him up. <laughs> One or the other.
2: It's fine. Well, Claudius again cuts him off.
0: Right? It shall be so. Madness and great ones must not unwatched go. Oh, boy.
2: that awkward 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 it shall
0: be so madness in great ones must not unwatched go well yeah it shall be so so. madness 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 is where the the
2: the rhythm changes with rhythm gets really funky
0: Mm -hmm. so as i tell you about madness
2: yeah is that that's the word that he's dwelling on and madness in great ones must not unwatched go so when when the higher people, the princes and the kings, are crazy, we can't just let that slide. Right. We got to do something about that. Right. So locking him up is definitely an option. Right. How's that going to work for you, Claudius? Going to be hard to explain. Uh, <laughs> first I steal his throne, and then I throw him in the dungeon. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah.
0: That's not good. Jailing of your political enemies. Yep. Boop-a-doo, well, boop-a-doo. that doesn't
2: happen, does it?
0: No, no, no. But also, I think it's interesting because uh, Claudius um, thinks he is hatching some kind of plan, and that's dangerous to Claudius. So either send him to England, in quotes, and you'll see why I say that, mm-hmm. or lock him up. Both take care
2: of oh, the problem of Hamlet. Yeah. Because he already heard the example of Fortinbras. He
0: knows. Yeah.
2: He knows what young men left to their own desi- devices can
0: devise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. It's hot in this motherfucking yeah. booth. <laughs> so I'm Erin.
2: And I'm Diana. This and is... we're sweating. Yeah, we're sweating in Fuck Shakespeare. In Fuck Shakespeare land. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: bye. bye. For additional fun shit from Fuck Shakespeare... You can head to our website at fckshakespeare.com. Or find us on Instagram at fckshakespeare. If you are enjoying this podcast, you could support us for
2: as little as 99 cents per month. Just click the support button on the page on Spotify or Anchor.
0: Tell your friends.